Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Good morning. I've never really had a live video playing behind me, so I'm sorry. I needed to just make sure that I'm where I need to be and when I need to be. I'm Shay Toman, if I haven't met you. Um, I am the Director of Discipleship here at The Vessel, and what that means is that I kind of oversee all the inward ministries, the ministries that are people relating to one another, people that are encouraging one another, people that are growing together. So I am kind of loosely in charge of the student ministry and the children's ministry, the men's ministry, our small groups, and our women's ministry. And the women's ministry in particular has been taking up a lot of my focus right now because we just launched our spring Bible study, which kicked off amazingly. And for the first time in Vessel history, we are planning a women's retreat. Such exciting news. Tomorrow, if you haven't already seen in your inbox, you're gonna get another message with the link to sign up. Please don't delete it, read it. Sign up, we're so excited, and we want every woman to participate and bring friends, and we're gonna give you an opportunity to do that today if you're already ready. My friend Melissa Godfrey is gonna be out in the foyer after the service with a computer. You can sign up, you can ask questions, but please consider joining us. Let me pray, and we're gonna get going. Lord, we love you. And we're thankful for this Sunday morning. We're thankful for the opportunity to gather. We're thankful for the opportunity to worship and praise you and just come together. You have such great truth that is in store for us today in the Bible. God, I just pray that you speak through me. I pray that it be your words and not mine, Lord, but that my heart is fully in Um, this message that you have for us today. God, we love you. And we ask these things in your name. Okay, so we are in a series called The Gospel. And as Jake said that that's what he wanted to teach, I felt like it was important that I needed to rally. So I started reading Acts because it was a book of the Bible that had already always intrigued me and I felt like it was kind of the heart of the gospel because it's when the church really took off and grew. And so that's where we're gonna be today. We're going to be in Acts. If you wanna turn to Acts 26, we are going to be focusing on one particular story, Philip and the eunuch. But I think that backstory is important. So I'm gonna give you a little bit of information so you know where we're going. You you have a little bit of info to kind of understand where we're launching from. So Philip was a deacon that was in charge of food distribution. He was on a team with people and he was spreading the gospel in Jerusalem with a lot of other men, including the apostles. Um, But he was called to Samaria. And that was an interesting transition because Samaria has a very bad name 
as you might have heard. It's a mixed race of people. And at this point in time, the Christians and and even the apostles, they weren't really sure if someone who wasn't Jewish could receive the Holy Spirit. So Philip's kind of a pilgrim, like he's launching into the frontier and he's deciding that he's gonna take some of the hardest bunch and he's gonna share the gospel with them. And he gets there and has a lot of success. So in Acts 8, six through eight, it says, crowds listened intently to what he had had to say and because of the miracles he did, many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lamed were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now, obviously, he's, he's having some success here, right? Um, so much so that the apostles are astonished. They feel like they need to go check up on him. They're like, wait a second. This sounds too good to be true. So they send Peter and John and were amazed that, yes, indeed, these people were listening. They were believing, they were turning their hearts. And so I say all that to just let you know that Philip was in a great place. He was listened to. He was, he was successful at sharing the gospel in this place. And we find him in verse 26. And an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he did, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning, seated in his carriage. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. So Philip had had great success in this fruitful ministry, and God called him to the desert. That's pretty ironic, and yet he went. How many of us obey like that? I I started thinking, we don't read that Philip questioned God's call. We don't read that he wavered. We don't read that he, he, he wanted to know why. He just went. No question, no wavering. Listen, obeying is hard. I have committed to standing up here before you this morning. I said yes, but was looking for every reason to step down. And I even said to Jake yesterday, are you sure you don't want to come up here with me? It's okay. Obeying is hard. But Philip went. And he met this eunuch. And his reason for this call was realized. This eunuch had traveled a long distance to worship. This eunuch was reading scripture. I think that was probably some confirmation for Philip. I am where I'm supposed to be. Yes, God, I obeyed, and here's why. Verse 29, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah, so he asked, Do you understand what you are reading? This was a bold move by Philip. Bold. Philip is walking along this dusty road looking like a vagabond, and he comes across 
this man who was of a great importance. I read that it would kind of be like celebrity status. He's in a carriage. He's got somebody else driving this carriage for him. He's reading scripture on a scroll, which is very expensive. And yet, the Spirit asked him to walk, and he ran. He ran. And not only did he run, but he spoke to him. He asked him an audacious question. Again, are we that eager to follow the Spirit? Are we that eager to listen and to follow what, where the Spirit leads us? I tend to ignore the Holy Spirit, just so you know. I realize that he's gonna ask me to do something uncomfortable, something that is going to be scary, something that I'm probably not going to enjoy. In fact, there's one story, and I only really remember it because it was extremely awkward. I was in Nicaragua on a mission trip, and I've been there before, but always, I befriend the translators because I don't know Spanish and I just found that that was the best technique. I befriend the translators. They talk for me all as well. But I find myself one day on this trip in the grocery store with one of my teammates and we are standing at the checkout line and there's a woman that's in front of us and she looks a little sad I don't know what's going on in her life. I um, can't talk to her and ask her, but I just see this demeanor that's sunken, and she feels like she's not really in a good place in life. And she's also not buying a bunch of groceries. So I felt like the Lord saying, you need to buy her groceries, okay? You're this American lady who's come with cash. You need to buy her groceries. But remind you, I, I can't speak Spanish. I can't tell the cashier that I want to pay for these, this woman's groceries. I mean, how am I going to make this exchange? It's, it's just going to be uh, awkward and weird. And, you know, I, I don't want this lady to feel uncomfortable because... I am this awkward white woman who's trying to do this thing. I mean, it was just all, no, I don't want to do this. And yet I felt such a strong feeling like I had to. So I end up trying to communicate with the cashier. I am trying to get my teammate to help me communicate. But in the end, this woman who I'm trying to do this nice thing for has to talk for me. I mean, it was just awful. It was everything I didn't want it to be. And yet, I obeyed. And I have to come back to the fact that God asked me to do something and I did it no matter how awkward it was or uncomfortable. I don't know what it meant for that woman. I really don't. And we don't always know what is going to happen when the, the Holy Spirit asks us to do something. We just have to trust him. We just have to trust him. And here we see Philip, and he trusts the Spirit. He trusts him enough 
to run instead of walk. He trusts him enough to say what he needs to say. But the truth of the matter is, is that Philip saw an opportunity. It wasn't out of the blue. This eunuch was reading scripture out loud. It was this open door. He felt like there was a connection. There was enough of a connection and it gave him confidence to speak to this eunuch. So he says, do you understand what you're reading? And in verse 31, the man replied, how can I when there's no one to instruct me? And he begged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with them. The passage of scripture he'd been reading was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, was Isaiah talking about himself or someone else? Now, I think that's a great question because someone who doesn't know Jesus doesn't fully understand the meaning of that scripture. They read it as exactly what it says, a lamb to the slaughter, going silent to his death. He wouldn't understand that this is a picture of Christ until somebody explained it to him. And I think that we need to look at this example and realize that when we have questions about Scripture, it is important to ask someone. Because God gives us all different understanding. We all interpret the Bible differently. It's important to interpret it the right way, though. And so this man is curious, and he asks the question, and Philip is there to answer. In verse 35, So Philip began with this same scripture and then used many others to tell him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Philip started with the scripture that this man had been reading and how perfect was it? because it said who and what he did. He got to say who, the lamb, Jesus. And what did he do? He was led to the slaughter. He was killed for our sake as a sacrifice. This is the gospel simplified. And Philip was able to start there. And then he says he he took off and he added more scripture, and he led him to Christ. But from this starting point, and if you look carefully in your Bible, I didn't really realize this until I was paying close enough attention, it might look like it's out of numerical order. 36, and it jumps to 38, and where's 37? I don't like things that don't align. But there's a footnote. And it says, some manuscripts add, verse 37, in response to the eunuch saying, why can't I be baptized? Verse 37 says, you can, Philip answered, if you believe with all your heart. And the eunuch replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. I don't know why it's in some and not the other, but I do think that that's an important verse to to point out. Because here's what it says. The eunuch was impressed by the Spirit, not Philip. 
He's acknowledging Jesus as a person, as a man, but he's also acknowledging Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah. Two very important things when you decide to surrender your life to the Lord. And the same spirit that brought Philip to the eunuch's presence is the spirit that is turning his heart to believe. So verse 39, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at this city of Azostas. He preached the good news there and in every city along the way until he came to Caesarea. This is amazing to me. I love reading. I love stories. I am a avid reader. And so I read this and I'm like mind blown. This is the stuff of science fiction. Poof, Philip is gone. What in the world? That sounds like magic. But it's just the power of the Holy Spirit. Philip is never to be seen by this eunuch again. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I, I mean, like, I just even wonder, does the eunuch notice? Does he notice that Philip is not there anymore? I kind of think not. I kind of think he was just so excited about this newfound joy that he had in his heart that he went on focused on telling somebody else about what had just happened to him. And the Lord had another mission for Philip. He carried him on to another point and told him to go. And Philip didn't waste his journey. He shared the gospel the whole way until he got to where he was supposed to be and he landed there and he had a long ministry but he didn't waste another opportunity. Just like the eunuch, I'm sure there were other men and women and families and communities that he met along the way, and he did not, he did not waver, but he told them the good news. This story is awesome because it's detailed enough that we can see how this man came to know Christ, how he came to receive the Lord, how he heard the gospel, which is what we're talking about. And I think it's important, like for me, I need to be able to see an example of that. That always helps me. If I can read a story, a scenario, if somebody will walk me through the steps of what that looks like, that really helps my understanding. So that was one of my goals today. So that you can see a picture of what this looked like in biblical times. But there are a few things that really stuck out to me about this story, and I want you not to miss those either. First, the Old Testament has value. It has real value. The eunuch was reading Isaiah, this piece of scripture that helped propel Philip. It helped him share the gospel. It says that it 
it helped him start, but then he shared other. The New Testament wasn't written at this point. So it was all he had to go by. I think the Old Testament also, though, provides us with great history. When you went to school, you had to study history. That was my profession before, history. I'm Susie, it's teaching. And history was one of the subjects that was taught. You learn about the origin of your country. You learn about the origin of your state. You learn about world history. History is important. They want you to know history so that maybe you don't make the same mistakes, right? It's the same with the Bible. History is important. Genesis and Exodus are two of my favorite books of the Bible because um, there's a lot of history there. It tells us how man was created, how the world came to be. But it also tells us about these Israelites that are threaded all throughout the Bible. Who are they? Where did they come from? Why are they so special? That is all in the Old Testament. And if you don't spend some time there, then it could get confusing. Listen, Israel could be the name of a country, the name of a group of people, and the name of a man. For someone who is not experienced, that's really confusing. It confused me for a very, very long time. But those books of the Bible also provide us with context, perspective. We don't really understand why Jesus dying on the cross is so significant until we read about animal sacrifice in the Old Testament, what it was used for, how it was done, what was the significance of it. If you understand all of that, Jesus' death becomes much more significant to you. You understand the symbolism behind. You understand why he is called the lamb, why he needed to be the last lamb, why he needed to be the last sacrifice. The Old Testament is important. It still has value. And one of the most important things about the Old Testament is that it shows us that Jesus was God's plan all along. He was his plan all along. Just after those verses in Isaiah, 53, 10 through 12, say this. But it was Lord's good plan to crush him and fill him with grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have a multitude of children, many heirs. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of what he has experienced, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of the one who is mighty and great because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among those who were sinners. He bore the sins of many and interceded for their sinners. Right after this, Isaiah talks about a lady who bears more and more children and has to enlarge in her house because more are coming. This is telling us that Jesus was the plan all along and that all that enter into the family of God, the glory is given to Jesus. 
God's plan was for Jesus to come to bring us salvation, purity, and acceptance by God. Jesus is given the glory. The Old Testament still has value. This interaction did not last long, but it was impacting. Means that your everyday encounters, they matter. The person that's checking you out at the grocery store, the neighbor that lives across the street you don't know very well, the person who puts your child in your car at the car pickup line, even though it's not your teacher. I could go on and on, but the the people that you come in contact with, they matter. Those moments, they matter. And if you think about it, what would happen if Philip hadn't obeyed? What if he didn't obey the Spirit and go? God sent Philip to meet this very man specifically. He was in a man of influence in Ethiopia. We don't know if he was raised in this um, Christian faith or if he was a convert, but we know that he had a little bit of understanding of the Savior, but he was important. So much so that this one moment changed history. This moment is what they believe brought the gospel to that part of the world. That is incredible. There is actually a sect of Christians in Ethiopia who point back to this eunuch, who point back to this story, who point back to this moment as the origin of their Christian faith. I think that's amazing. The last big thing that really sticks out on this is that the gospel is within you. It's, in with, it's within me. It's within all of us. You could be Philip to someone, but you could also be the eunuch that goes back home and rejoices and tells your story. When I was reading Acts, this story really stayed with me. I thought about it, I felt connected to it, and the reason is because I felt like I could be the eunuch. When I read it the first time, I just took the very basic things that I noticed. He had traveled a long distance to go and worship at the temple. He had a stable position He was living a good life, and he was reading scripture. He sounded like a good Christian man, right? In today's society, he he just sounded like a good Christian man. He goes to church. He's got a good job. He reads his Bible, but he didn't understand. He didn't know Jesus until someone intervened in his life, and that is my story. And I thought, because that was my story, that my story was boring, and that it wasn't impacting, and that I didn't really need to start with that. Like, my testimony was blah, so I don't need to share that with people. There's other good stuff. 
I was raised in a loving home with two parents who felt it was important for me to go to church. And my mom specifically made sure I was there. So I heard a lot of Sunday school stories as a kid, and as a result, I was curious. I knew the name of Jesus, and I knew I didn't want to go to hell, you know? So I would ask questions about that, and I remember one night we were in the car driving home from somewhere. It was late, and I remember asking my mom, like, okay, mom, what does this mean? What do I have to do? And she said some things, and, you know, I can't remember if it was in that moment or if it was when I got home, but I do remember asking the Lord to come and live in my heart. But that was really it. And so over time, I would find myself in that same place, laying in my bed, talking to God, and saying, I don't hear you. (laughs) Where are you? I don't see you, I can't hear your voice, are you really there? And I would ask him again. And that little, that little moment happened a lot. I was just unsure, I didn't know, but I knew what I didn't want, you know? And so over time, I continued to pray to seek, and to ask. But it wasn't until I was in seventh grade, my family moved to a new community, and I got involved in a youth group. And one of the first things I did in that youth group was go to what was called a Hot Hearts concert. And we stayed in a hotel, and we went to a big conference, and we heard pastors talk and great worship music. And I mean, you know, I was there thinking, this is fun. But a young Louis Giglio got up and spoke in Beaumont, Texas, at the Hot Hearts Conference. And at the end of his message, he said, if you would like to receive Jesus, Come on down. Now, it is very out of my character to do something like that. In fact, getting up here this morning took a lot of preparation. Walking down the aisle was like climbing Mount Everest. I just was like, no, I'm not doing that. But ironically, the name of this conference was Hot Hearts, and my heart felt like it was on fire. I knew that I was supposed to go, but I didn't want to go alone. I don't know who was sitting beside me, but there was someone, one of my friends, and I I think, you know, she caught wind of what was happening, or maybe I even asked her, I don't know, but she took that leap with me. She walked down that long aisle in in that conference room, and man, I said yes, and for the first time, it felt like I understood what I was doing. I understood who was waiting for me, who had been waiting for me. The truth is, is that we all have a story. Whether it looks like something simple as in growing in the church, 
and having a moment, or you got in a car accident, you're dying and an angel appears, like it doesn't matter because it's your story. It's the story God gave you. It's unique, it's crafted specifically for you, and it's a tool. Whether you know the Bible, whether you can recite the Easter story, or whether or not you're even brave, it doesn't matter. The gospel is within you. It's in the story of your life. As I was preparing for this message, I went on a walk, and as the Lord does, he usually speaks to me through worship music. And so I heard this song that we sing here, The Canvas and the Clay by Pat Barrett. And it says, there's a healing light just beyond the clouds. Though I've walked through fire, I see clearly now. I know nothing has been wasted, no failure or mistake. You're an artist and a potter. I'm the canvas and the clay. You make all things work together for my good, for my future. You see, we were physically created unique, but our lives are also crafted special. We are different. We experience life differently, and all of those differences are important. They make up us. They are our gospel story. If you're sitting here and you're thinking, yeah, but who am I going to share this story to you? Who am I going to tell my story to? I want you to think back on Philip. God gave him an opportunity. He walked alongside this man who was reading scripture out loud. And Philip knew, that's my guy. There are open doors all around, and if there's not, then pray for those opportunities. Pray that the Lord shows you who you are supposed to share your story to. But I promise you one thing. The gospel is within you, and you are meant to share it. If you don't know how to share your testimony, if you don't know how to share your story, I'm going to tell you a simple, simple way that was told to me. There's a lot of methods to sharing your testimony. There's a lot of formulas. Um, But this was told to me in conversation one time, and I just latched onto it because I felt like it was simple. I could remember that. Think about what your life was like before you met Jesus. It could be a short period of time in your life, or it could be a long period of time. Again, it's specific to you. Then think about how you came to know Jesus. Maybe it wasn't a moment. Maybe it was something that happened over time. It does not matter. But think about that moment that you gave your life to the Lord, the the moment when you felt his impact in your life. And the last thing is just talk about how your life looks different. What changed Did anything change? What does your life look like now? Past, present, future. 
It's all there. It's your story. It's the gospel in you. And I encourage you to think about your story and to share it with somebody else. Let me pray. Thank you for joining us this morning for our service. We are publishing content throughout the week for Church at Home through our social media and website. For more information, visit www.vessel.church.